whatever, whatever. Anyway, it's got, now it's got 50 ways up on his little whiteboard. Yeah, brownie points. Mm. Don't know if that's sucking up or not. I don't, I'm not sure, really. I don't take kindly to that. I wonder who's going to come back first. I think that's... Ah, oh, no, it's Dan that came back first. Dan came back first. Right then, some more guitar stuff. The reason why the guitar is like this, I think it's probably the second or even the most important part about Coldplay behind Chris Martin's vocals. Um, look at Head Full of Dreams, the song, right? Funky strumming, slide guitar, single note bass style lines, and then the textural high single note lines, all complementary, yet they catch your ear without distracting from the song. I would just love to hear like a vocal and guitar only version. And I can't even begin to think how much fun it must be to like just to record those guitar parts i think he must just sit down he probably has some direction from chris martin and, and things like that but like he's got so much freedom and that comes from those soundscapes and like we said the with the production being way more like i mean they've worked with brian eno there's a direct comparison to u2 anyway with coldplay i think they've taken oh, on yeah. what u2 did with like all you can't leave behind 2000s era and then really just ran with that um, you could say they're kind of the U2 of our generation, but that's kind of a big kind of statement to make. That's um, a big boy. The guitar kind of had to live somewhere else. Uh, the, the electric guitar, that is. The acoustic guitar was still there. I really like all the folk stuff that they play. Like, I, I yearn. That's one of my favorite parts about Coldplay is just the folky kind of songs, which you do get uh, like three, four, even on like Milo. I think you get some nice acoustic guitar songs, even ghost stories. Yeah. I'm like, you wouldn't think that based off the singles. Um, so I think he has complete freedom. He has to, I think he had to rework how he, how he integrated his guitar parts into those kind of poppy songs. Um, but yes, question for Dan first and then to Mez, same question. Um, the guitar is the most integral part of Coldplay sound behind Chris Martin's vocals. Agree or disagree and why? Yeah, I think, I, I, well... Ooh, agree or disagree? I think agree. I think you know. You think about the first two albums. You think I, I this for some reason in my place. The song second. I think it's the second track of Rush of Blood. Yeah. Um, that is a guitar like led song, and then you go all the way to Adventure of a Lifetime, where the guitar is still playing that prominent role, and you know you you know that piano also has. I probably everything probably starts with piano. I yeah. can imagine that most of the songwriting starts with Chris Martin at a piano. Um, and you know, as you said about uh, speed of sound and the way that the guitar is, you know, guitar and piano are both playing the same line. They're both trying to. I, I feel like well, throughout the whole entire time of the albums, they they've been trying to get the guitar to bring out all the the perfect melodies that work with with the songs, you know, they're trying to like emphasize the melodies and, and even throwing back to even earlier and what we're talking about and the idea that they're really good at melodies by adding that, that element of the guitar back in that app or the piano back in that app. I feel like that's just made Coldplay into what they are. And as you said, even with the folky stuff, you know, that shows you sort of how, 
how there's a range of how they, they want to be delicate with how they they add their textures or they want to make it so it's in your face they know which way to go for what mm. song and they know what's strong they know what's a strong melody they know what's a strong riff or guitar line or anything like that and they focus on that and then everything else gets pieced around it. and, and even like you're saying the bass is like the bass becomes uh, over the course of well i'd say most of coldplay it's a texture rather than a a part you know I, I feel like i feel like you're right i feel like the guitar definitely stands really strong with, with the rest of the music and definitely uh helps them you know bring out their their elements and the the strongest parts of them so I, I i agree with the statement love that and i could further push this point that you look at music of the spheres you know we've got, we've got to stop bashing the album but i really can't think of any memorable guitar parts from that album, apart from like a funky strum, like near the top of the guitar, which feels stock and that stock guitar riff. And it seems to line up with that thinking that, okay, it's not that great of an album. You could say it's their weakest work because the guitar work isn't great, but you look at all of the rest of their stuff and you go, Oh, that's a guitar. Oh, there's like five guitars here. Oh, wow. He's doing that like magic yeah brilliant like to me i think that's maybe the misstep rather even than the collaborations mez you know even as a guitar player like i want to hear your take on their guitar work because you know i don't know if i've even explained it to you but i don't know what i don't know where dan's head maybe is musically but like oh dan was going to say something go on Amber. as a quick point we mentioned maroon five earlier that's the same oh, yeah. thing where they were based off you know, it was more based off the instrumentation of what they were doing and it was really clever and guitar was a prominent fixture in it, but that disappeared. I mean, you had like moves like Jagger, which is like the sort of that sort of era is the transition. And then it turned into, well, now it's Adam Levine, isn't it? And I think by them keeping the guitar, it creates the the band element rather than it being just Chris Martin. And I think that's that's what's important. That's just the point I wanted to make. And well, I, I will bring that up after Mezzas because I've got a big chunk of that, which I always compare Coldplay and Maroon 5 all the time. But um, I can't speak for Dan. Maybe I can't speak for Merritt a little bit, but I'll just say for me, I remember that, you know, getting in the guitar, what, 17, 18 years old, um, I'd always be attracted to what the guitar part was doing and whether that was a barometer if the song was good or bad. So if the riff was great, yeah, the song was great. Songs that... Um, didn't have a strong guitar part seemed to never have that like didn't have that good and positive effect on me obviously mm -hmm. now it's changed because just i guess i'm more interested in what it sounds like or the songscapes and again when you write your own stuff or just get chucked in with certain things it definitely changes but mez as a guitar player how nourishing is coldplay to you how did it kind of affect you from that stance and do you agree or disagree with the fact that the guitar is you know second or even the most important element of their sound i would definitely agree um to quite a strong extent um it's very um again to me it's like the melody you you almost don't notice it's there but obviously you know it's there mm. because it's such a texture and because it's such um an integral part of of the song's construction I mean, ten years ago, I would I would have been looking for the guitar for nourishment. Nowadays, not so much, less so. Um, but it's um, I'd liken him somewhat, and here here it comes. Oh, we knew he'd do this. There we go. I'd compare him to a, I'd, I'd say he's a modern day Brian May because he's very very appropriate 
in what he's interesting. Interesting. Strong. Everything he plays just seems to fit so wonderfully. The parts are always so well. It's almost like he's delicately gone through quite a few processes and just kind of been like, oh, can I sort of, can I do that? Can I put that there? You know, he's very, very much, there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of thought gone behind it. Um, I did a bit of homework on him because of course I did. He's a guitarist. I'm a guitarist. Um, And he, he was always extremely interested in music when he was, when he was learning. Um, He, he listened to apparently various Hendrix and Clapton records, which is a classic. Every guitarist goes through that. Um, mm. And then he was uh, his 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 um, his brother Tim introduced him to My Bloody Valentine, Sonic Youth, Stone Roses, George Harrison, and U two. Now that last one I can hear come through yeah. in droves. <laughs> very. Even very if much. I hadn't read that, I'd be like, "There's U two in there." Like, yeah, it does. It does border to be a little bit critical. It does border on the edge, nearly ripping off the edge. Yeah. And Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, like oh, those yeah. are the sounds he's making. But you know what? I'm okay with that. Rip them off. Yeah, They're the um, best people to rip I've, off. Yeah, I think it's cool yeah. that they he transitioned from being to listening to the the crazy like in your face guitar to 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 subtle to yeah. actually crafting a song rather than being like i'm the song it's like i'm a layer and keeping guitar in relevant music as well which everyone was like guitar died in 2010 or whatever it's like absolutely not absolutely not well this is kind of the thing isn't it it's um the whole thing of guitar music and where is it gone we're we're gonna invite rick beato in in a minute to give a big talk (laughs) on you know oh this would sound great if there should have been guitar on this man um, I'm not going to sit here and slag off the top ten, but yeah, there is there is an organic nature where, when when a guitar is involved, and because it, it very much seems from what I've heard that it's either it's either acoustic, very sort of very sort of human organic sounding acoustic, or it's uh, the '72 Telly which he plays. I'm full of facts here, kids, <laughs> um, with effects and. Um, I think that's really cool, you know. It, being being in a function band, we all understand the importance of serving the song rather than making it all about yourself. Um, and that's what he does. He does it so wonderfully. He serves the song. He he makes it much more of a yeah. He just he just credits it so well. And I mean, instead of it being like, oh, is there room to squeeze guitar in there? It's like some of these songs wouldn't work without his work on them. Thousand percent. Um, Mm-hmm. Fun, fun fact. Fun fact. When he was ten, he was a part of a rap group. Nice, weren't we all? Yeah, yeah. I was Big in a rap group called Sly Kitty Cats. I was in a rap group called that. Nice. He did one gig. Um, he experimented with computer. computer Don't laugh, music. Dan. It's my emotional journey. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's all part of it. Isn't it? <laughs> we did. Uh, we did. A, we did all these things. I've done by the Killers. That was good. I played on piano. And uh, tried, to, tried to impress a girl that I never went out with. So good stuff. Good stuff. Anyway, guys, carry on. Position. Carry on. How'd that work out for you, mate? Um, not great. Not great. So. And he he used beats consisting of dog barks, which I think is a very important point to bring up. I'm I hear so much of that come through. It is 
yeah, there's so many like yeah, canine, yeah. yeah, canine tones on Coldplay. Yeah, I definitely. Um, no, I I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think I think it's very integral, and I think it's an obvious statement to say that the tunes would not be the same at all without his work. Um, and yeah, he was a part of the Scouts as well when he was eleven, and he still likes the uniform. And here's one more fun fact for you, which I could not pass. I could not pass this one. Oh, God. He said that one night when he was playing with friends on a field, they had an encounter with an angry sheep, which ran over and attacked him multiple times. And for that reason, he has never worn wool or eaten lamb since. Top man. Top man. Legend. So, yeah. So fair enough. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, but no, I, I agree, Marv. I, I think he's great. I think he's really cool. And he's only ever been a part of Coldplay and one other group. I've got it here somewhere. Let's find it. Let's come we'll on. Find out. Yeah. And again, same members ever since their inception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, as by recorded work output. He guest starred on Ian McCulloch's solo album, Sidling. Nice. And he also made a cameo appearance in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, along with Chris Martin. Oh yeah, I think is that right? I believe so. Well, nice. Will Champion's done a Game of Thrones, Red Wedding, a Game of Thrones. Yes, he. You're right. Um, yes, correct. Indeed. Yeah, but he was and overshadowed because because yeah. bloody Ed Sheeran had to had to uh, crowbar his way in. And uh, funnily enough, all Ed Sheeran did was uh, he he played the man who could play guitar and sing. So. Well, at the next ginger meeting, bring that up to Ed. Be like, oh, you overshadowed matey boy. Because you have those meetings, right? You have ginger. I'm too, cool. I'm too cool to hang out with him. These you got days. kicked out, didn't you? You got kicked out of the I, meetings. I, I, I outdrank him and he uh, got upset. Fair enough, mate. Fair so, enough. yeah. Another, another quick uh, quick point about Coldplay staying uh, culturally in the know. Another interesting thing is that the bass player actually is like super into his uh, fashion. Um, yeah, he has his own fashion line. Yeah. Um, if you look at his like socials, they're just it's just obviously it's just more the artistic style and the, the sort of different side to clothes and like being more arty. And if you actually look at their last few tours, that's something they've really focused on. And you can tell that he's had a mate if he's into that sort of that uh that side of art, then that will also help the rest of the band understand what's happening in the world around them by someone else who's into a different, complete different artistic sort of style. Yeah. You know, I think that's quite relevant to how they've grown as well. I think, yeah, it's like a like a passive thing that happens in the background that you don't necessarily see. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. I think it's just quite interesting. It is, man. It is. Um, yeah, I think I think guitar is second because this backs up this point about the piano. I think the piano really, you know, and Chris Martin as a whole, um, sound the piano sounds are fantastic and they provide the lineage to their debut. So the little snippet of piano we hear as Beyonce sings and him for the weekend. That took me right back to trouble, the way it sounded. They always get great sounding pianos. And it's like the piano in Coldplay represents Britain in that it shows the roots of the band rather than a British flag on the back of a white van next to a photo of like a cartoon bulldog with a fag out of his mouth being like, you know, pints and pies. Like, it's not like that, but it just it is authentically British. Uh, every time it's being played in the song, it's got an old charm to it. And I think you talked about Chris Martin live, like, you know, not being pitch perfect or anything like that. And I think it's intentional on records 
Um, I really like that human element of it because if you think about everything around Chris Martin, you know, let's say Popper, let's say Milo onwards, everything is quite, let's just say quantized or perfect or made to sound very, very good at its truest pitch or form. But Chris Martin provides that human element where he might be a little bit off key. He might falter a little bit in his work, in his singing, but I think that's intentional. And I actually like that. Um, it brings impressive. Yeah. It brings a human it's element impressive. to it. And again, another risk. They are, a, they take a lot of risks in that band. Um mm-hmm. Now this one's in this one. I don't, I don't know if Dan's noticed this, but I definitely did. And I don't know if it's fully true, but prove me wrong, Dan, the drier, the Chris Martin vocal, the better the song. Ooh, I never noticed that, but there was a couple of songs where I'm like, there's a lot of delay. He's kind of buried here, not liking it as much, but the songs like, you know, fix you or things like that. Like very, very like how we are now. Right. Very podcasty very compressed up in your face like how chili peppers are like to me they're the better songs now i can't back it up but dan can you prove me wrong or do you have any opinions on that the drier the chris martin vocal the better song uh, you can chime in as well maybe i mean i'm not 100 certain but maybe you could say that when something like that happens where there's been a delay or a massive reverb slapped on on his vocals that it might not be maybe it, not his decision maybe it's more of a bigger picture um i think like uh when i need a friend off of everyday life where it's like an acapella and it's like i think i think when they use it correctly but it's a, it's, it's a really tricky statement i think i mean what examples have you got from both ends that you can talk about. Well, again, it's, it's, it's vague because it just kind of falls into like their eras. It's like a non-specific song in my head, but I just remember because I think one thing with Coldplay, like maybe lyrically uh, there's not much for me to kind of connect to, but that might just be because I'm list I'm bulk listening and mm-hmm. my mind doesn't necessarily go to the lyrics a lot. I do get caught out on lyrics sometimes and they draw me in. I'm way more. How is it musically? Um, I agree. Maybe I stuff agree. like "Fix You" um, to my to my mind when I listen back into my head seems to have just a very dry vocal. Um, and there are things that pop up. I mean, everyday life. They're like like the uh, is it W O T W P O T P, which I really really like. Um, that's just him singing normally. You know, it's maybe not as dry as this. And it's just very normal or guns, things like that. Just very, you know, maybe not, maybe not say dry then let's just say like a very uh, human element, just a recorded vocal with like little to no processing to me brings out a better song than heavily echoed, like adventure of a lifetime that, that, uh, that era head full of stars, the head full of stars. I gotta go back again here can never remember it yeah head full of dreams like think of that album and think of the songs that are there maybe the singles and things like that like look at paradise for me i think that's quite a dry vocal again i'm very very assuming here but think of the verse it's pretty dry and to me that's a good song but i think of stuff like adventure of a lifetime which is a good song but like maybe not as good as paradise and then you think of some of the album tracks again music of the spheres there is quite a lot of uh 
vocal effects on that. Maybe not as mm. good. I could be stretching it and it might be something to for you to go and listen to like after the fact. You might be like... I, I feel like that's something that I, I will definitely think about when I listen to them again. And another part of that could be your your inevitable connection with the first few albums where it is as raw as it can be from them. Yeah. And I think, you know, we always talk about artists bringing back elements of them, their old selves to bring back. And I think in a really subtle way, you're always going to think that if you hear like loads of delay and reverb on his, on his vocals, you're going to be like, well, this isn't what I know. You know, it's, it's all about establishing what you know slash what you want to think about something on a, a completely neutral platform, isn't it? So like yeah. listening back, you're going to hear the fix you, which is dry vocal or anything from parachutes, et cetera. You're going to, you're going to think about that. And soon you know, it's, it's hard to determine, isn't it? It's just something I'm going to listen out to a thing. And, uh, I'll come back to you, you boys, with an opinion on that when I yeah do it. But... Might be interesting. And again, because that's a, then a textural thing, and they're very soundscape esque. You could say from album three onwards, definitely. Um, yeah, it adds it adds to that element. So maybe, like I said, having that drier vocal with the piano that sounds like that nice, almost chorusy attitudey piano, and then the guitar work. Those three elements maybe are what make Coldplay, and everything else is a texture which isn't to say, or isn't to discount anything else. That's just that maybe they sit down, you know, Chris comes in, he goes, all right, lads, I've made a song up here. You try your best, you don't succeed. I'll, I'll sing that. I'll do that. Guitar comes in and then everything else gets layered on top. That's actually quite a nice thing to have, isn't it? A nice luxury. Mez, yeah. if you noticed any of that, yeah. like the really dry vocal and then versus a very layered vocal? I, I have, yes. And... Ooh. I do have a point to make. Maybe it's like a confidence thing. With the better songs, uh, when when they know that they're very, very good and, you know, it's just rhythm and melody, things like Fix You, it's, it's, maybe they're just like, we're, we're confident that this sounds good no matter what. And why do we use effects? sometimes to enhance the sound, sometimes to give it a particular uh, feel or like genre block or something like that. But more often than not, <clears throat> would you feel better playing a straight DI'd guitar <clears throat> with reverb or with no reverb? Well, with reverb. Right. So maybe it's a case of, well, I like that, but... Mm, I don't know. Maybe maybe we could hide it a little bit, or not hide it, but take away the attention. Mm. Um, I heard of a producer. I think we all know him. I can't remember exactly who it was, but this producer's technique: say you've got like a punk band and your singer can't sing on purpose, this producer would push that feature right to the front, so it doesn't sound like a mistake. It sounds like they've gone okay, we've got this punk band. Now all we need is a singer who can't sing. And all you can hear is that singer who can't sing. Yeah. Maybe it's that kind of deal. Maybe it's like a, I don't know, they 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 really want to push the melody more so than the, than how soft the vocal is, how rounded it is. Yeah. But if you compress it and really push it up front, but also it, it means your ear is caught cool by that melody more so than anything else. I'd like mm -hmm. to follow on and make a point 
to say that, and this is going to sound insulting, but it's really not meant to be. Do you boys get the impression that Chris Martin has a really sort of regular singing voice? I don't mean that in terms of you can't tell it's him because it's so run of the mill. I mean, it sounds like he's got a really, um, especially earlier on, it sounds like he's got a really, um, how do I explain this? It's like the difference between a guitarist who knows the pentatonic and has practiced it to a guitarist who can sweep and tap and do all this mental stuff. Yeah. But he can also sing really well. Do you see what I mean? There's a lot of natural talent going on there as opposed to here's a vocal technique, do this. And I think this feeds back into the point Dan was saying about it. sometimes when he's when he's singing live, he can be a tiny bit pitchy. Mm. Um do you think he's got like a relative I'm explaining this terribly. No, you're not, because I've got the answer no, in my head. It. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It's it's like it's like um instead of a singer singing. It's like one week they all turned up to practice and their singer didn't turn up. Yeah. So they went, okay, who's the most confident here? And Chris went, I'll, I'll do it. And he's just now the singer. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of how it feels to me. I think it's the singer-songwriter thing. So because yeah. he can write great songs, and another positive point, the songwriting was solid from the get-go. Like Absolutely. from the get-go. Like they know how to write a song, specifically mm. Chris Martin. Um, maybe he's got a limited set of uh skills in terms of like flipping to head voice and vibrato and all these other kind of technical things that you know people like whitney and mariah and all the kind of uh divas or chris cornell's or anything like that a typical rock singer he falls in the singer songwriter canon but he's very unique the second you hear his voice you know it's him which adds that yes. human element and i think it's leaning into those imperfections that work his range is quite wide i mean he goes very very low on certain songs um mm -hmm. which i really really like and there's like with everyday life which seems to be their most expansive work um he's like yelling and going quite high um so again another risky thing to do that's the best way i could answer that is like i'm not going to go to him to learn singing but no. if i wanted to sound like myself and get into like taking away americanisms and how do you get this through he would be the person I would study. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, I was just going to say as well, there's certain other things. Um, so like I, I used to do it and I still kind of do do it from time to time. Um, instead of just singing a high note, he'll, he'll slide up to that high note. Mm -hmm. And again, that's another thing where it's like, um, it's not a bad um, quality as such. But a lot of professional vocal coaches now would kind of go like, don't sing it like that, sing it like this. But it's almost like he's been told that and he's gone, I'll sing it how I want to sing it. I'll sing it how Chris Martin sings it. Yeah. And there's a high level of personality and um, being able to relate to that because obviously when a non-musician goes to a gig, they're going to sing because music gives them joy. But if they're not perfect singers, it doesn't necessarily matter because Chris Martin isn't someone I would call a virtuoso in terms of singing technicality, which is what I mean. So it's almost, it's almost perfect in that he's singing and playing very, very memorable melodies that most people would be able to sing because he's not exactly a virtuoso himself. You have, this you is have why hit I, the, you've hit the nail on the head there, Merritt, and that's yeah. uh, 
that led me onto a conversation with a singer called Sophie, who is Dan's lead singer in his function band. Uh, we were listening to Yebba. <laughs> if you know who Yebba is, like insanely good. Like if you want to sing every single note in about three seconds, like she's the woman to go to. Uh, absolutely uh, brilliant. Um, and I said to her, because she was trying to sing it about in the way back from a gig, in the way back from a gig, on the way back from a gig. Uh, and she was like, I can't really sing this bit or that bit. And I said to her like, well, I said, here's a question like, do you find it harder to emotionally connect to this song that you can't sing along to because you have to engage the kind of uh, functionality of your voice and go like, right, I need to try and do this and that and that. And she was like, yeah, I actually kind of do because it's not why I go to the song because I want to try and sing along to it. But, you know, you can't, it's like, like you said, if you're going to go to a concert and there's a high, like I believe in a thing called love, the really high bit, it's like, I, I can't sing that. So you just stop. So I think, again, that's another charm and positive of Chris Martin's vocals that it's the same with Noel Gallagher's voice. Like you can sing along to these songs fairly easily. Maybe there's a couple that you need to either practice or just, you know, maybe have learned a little bit of singing techniques, but like that's the reason why they are good. And it further proves the point that you do not need to be a virtuoso on any instrument to write a good song. I think that's a complete fallacy. Um, and that's the reason why, uh, especially on like an, uh, a guitar, a stringed instrument. It doesn't really matter where you are or what it looks like. It's what the sound is. And that perfectly sums up Coldplay. Dan, please, as the expert, weigh in on this because us two are just waffling. I say us two, I'm waffling. Just talk about uh, Chris Martin's voice. Well, as, as a person, if you've watched any interview, he is, he's a bit of a nervous wreck. He doesn't have a lot of confidence, um, which is, you know, everything you're chatting about here. It, I, it just goes. It him as a person to him as a musician. They just connect, obviously, as a person. But <clears throat> that shows you the sort of, you know, he's a bit pitchy. He's this. He's not a cocky singer. He's not. Again, you were saying it, Yebba. You know, all these musicians who are just ridiculous at what they do. You know, and. And, and in order to fulfill that for people, you need to be really confident in what you're doing, you know? And Chris Martin seems to be like, he is a, he's a songwriter who, you know, has to sing. Like you were saying before, he has to sing because he's writing his songs and they're specifically for him and for his own outlet that satisfies his, his lack of confidence that he has. And I feel like that's, a big part of what you get from Coldplay is, you know, he's like any other human being and his songs and his voice is exactly relatable in that sense as well for everyone else. And that's, that's what's just catapulted them into the stratosphere because they're so relatable Yeah, and goes back to the conversation of when his voice isn't dry, it's, it's not, it doesn't fit. It feels like something completely different. It doesn't feel like him. And also the point you made, Mez, where, you know, maybe they're not so confident on a song. And because of the way he is as a person, to me, that point relates to it so much. I can, you can see that being a thing. You could be like, oh, well, you know, this song maybe has not got a strong melody. Let's just try and put some effects on it and try and create a sound rather than it being about the song within the sound, you know? I feel like that's a, 
that's a big thing. I think him as a person and his voice, I mean, his voice is obviously great and has its, uh, maybe doesn't have its best moments sometimes, but that's just, yeah. that's just what life is. And that's kind of what he represents. And I think that's how he's so relatable. Yeah. That's, that's it. Nail on the head. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Yep. No more needs to be said on that one. I tell you, let's go to the Coldplay Maroon 5 comparison equation. Cause we did mention that. And I think it's very important. So, mm-hmm. I always lumped these two bands together and compared them endlessly. The fact that both bands have morphed into the lead singer solo outfit and that they were both rock bands that quote unquote sold out or moved with the times due to label pressure, you know, things like that, uh, which we've seen with bands like The Offspring and Weezer, where it's like, you know, 2009, 2010, it's like, okay, this is, this is bad. What are you doing? You've ruined your legacy. Um, how wrong was I? So after listening to all of this, it's like, okay, I think that's a commonly held belief of music listeners that only hear the singles from these bands and follow that chronology. Of course, you're going to think this. The guitars get less and the keyboards get more. The female guest vocal becomes more prominent. They both become very, very big bands. But because they were and still are two very big bands, we forget about all the other bands that did the exact same thing to a lesser or forgotten reaction, like I mentioned just before. Um Obviously, in Coldplay's case, do the guitars actually get less? You know, they don't. They get actually get more. Um, they get more creative and layered. Um, and then why does the guitar have to be the barometer of whether a band is good or bad? You know, that could be if you're a guitar player yourself and that's what you go for, or you just simply don't hear it because, or maybe you just, you know, you want to, you're a rock player, so you want to hear riffs and you don't, you know, you know I'm not going to go to a butcher and moan that they haven't got any vegan products. Like, that's just dumb that's just dumb so maybe that's a part of that um i can't speak from maroon 5 so much i think maroon 5 maybe do fall into that category i haven't listened to all of their albums song by song but yes the guitar parts seem to get more bland and it does seem to be the adam levine project uh coldplay i would say absolutely not what do you think of the coldplay and maroon 5 comparison dan like are there any similarities is there any truth to that statement that they're both kind of the same, that they've morphed into a solo outfit. Um, go for it. Uh, it's a tricky one because I can see, I can see how people will look at Coldplay and where's my webcam gone? There we go. <laughs> it looked like you were hiding away from the question. Yeah. But, uh, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> it's gone again there we go there we go okay um, dan Campbell, the heated question remains you must answer the heated it. question okay so you know it's interesting because people will see coldplay in the same way of maroon 5 as you're saying you know and because i haven't followed maroon 5 throughout their career and because i haven't listened to the full albums of of where they've got to at that point where it seems like the Adam Levine show I feel like I can't have a full statement on it but of course. it's very similar isn't it it's, it's it's a similar feeling and then that's made me question myself like you know like oh okay so Maroon 5 could actually be pretty decent apart from their singles but I haven't listened to it I just hear what the general like sort of maybe the more musician side of of their story about Maroon 5 and how they are you know because the riffs and like Sunday morning and things like that from uh, songs about Jane, you know, that's like some of that stuff is awesome, but great. it's changed. The whole album it? is great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for. And it's, it's a similar journey. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to describe really, isn't it? It's hard to, but like, 
I think maybe because Adam Levine, if you if you look at Adam Levine and Chris Martin as individuals themselves, Chris Martin is not someone who puts himself out there in that sort of same light. And as I said, he likes a collab and he likes getting up on stage with people, but he's not someone who like makes sure his beard's perfect in the morning, get his hair right, make sure he's like built. He's not like that sort of person, is he? So you don't get that same feeling that he's like crawling towards the limelight. You see yeah. him just enjoying himself, do it, being himself and going out there and doing that. Whereas it feels like Adam Levine, because of the way, you know, soon as songs about Jane was out, next thing moves like Jagger, get some other singers in, get some other people in this. Let's build that popularity. You just, you get a sense of how different that actually is from his character and the way he's like doing guitar solos topless and it's just him. And then there's Bander at the back of the stage, you know, like that's, yeah. that's what it's turned into, isn't it? It's just, and you can see it, you can just see the big difference. I, I feel like it's, it's not, you, I can see the, I can see how people have that opinion and how people would think that on the same as Coldplay. But if you genuinely look at the one person it's supposedly about in both bands, you can tell that Maroon 5 have just been spoon fed money by the record label and been told, right, you go write some pop hits and go do some collabs with people and get your top off. That's, that's yeah. kind of, it's more about the look than it is about the music. And you can see, you can see that. I completely agree. And to, to quickly sum up a point I've got here that I don't want to go too much on. Coldplay are really good with the singles and opening tracks telling you exactly what the album's going to sound like. And I think that's a really yeah. good, strong feature of those. <clears throat> if we were to look at the Coldplay singles and just take out everything else and just use that as their chronology, so you're just going to follow that, which I guess for me and to a lesser extent, Mez, that was all we had in terms of knowledge of Coldplay. What was the single? I'm not going to listen to track seven. You know what I mean? I was only going to listen to him for the weekend and all the songs that I can't remember yeah. the names of. But, you know, Rihanna starts popping up. Beyonce starts popping up. BTS, you know. But then you look at their earlier work, it's like, that sounds like a band. That sounds like a band. Oh, wait a minute. Pop. Oh, wait a minute. Paradise. Oh, that's dubstep EDM. So you, I don't think it's like a surprise if that assumption was there. Because mm -hmm. that's what I thought. And you can just see it. You're like, well, yeah, obviously they're not playing pounding drums anymore. That's a drum machine. And, oh, cool. Beyonce was really popular at that point. Rihanna was really popular at that point. Who's popular now? BTS, Jacob Collier, Selena Gomez. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's just like a wild statement. It's not as wild as like, they're shit because they're shit. What's your daughter's name? Apple. That's shit. Like, it isn't a dumbfounded thing. Mez, would you kind of agree with that? And you can see why people would have that opinion. Uh, I would. And just to follow on from your point, comparing the two, Coldplay and Maroon 5, in 2018, uh, a website called The Tilt, nice. which I'm assuming is some sort of entertainment magazine, website, whatever, they did a vote on... Uh, which iconic pop rock band is your favorite? Coldplay or Maroon 5? Now, I'm gonna ask I'm gonna Ooh. ask you both. I'm gonna ask you both what you think the results were. Marv, go. Is it can I ask a question before the nope. thing? <laughs> I'm gonna say Maroon 5. Uh, I'm gonna say Maroon 5 as well. I agree well, with Dan. Well, unfortunately, you're both correct. 
Yay! However, the vote yep. was Team Maroon 5, 70.6% versus Coldplay's 29.4%. That is how many people prefer Maroon 5 to Coldplay, which blows me apart, by the way. Is that an American website? Yes. Which would explain that, all. That would be my that question. Yeah. I wonder what that would be like with the British website. That'd I would also point. wonder. Um, on top of that, it would be Coldplay, 100%. It'd be Coldplay. Yeah. 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 Um, in 2016, I have a Daily Star, um, what do you call it? Article. Article. There that's we go. Boy. See, that's, that's day- coming from a dyslexic. I've just corrected you. Article. All right. Yeah, there we go. You need any uh, help vid- with any more words, Mez? No. Okay. The video is unavailable, so I'm very upset about that. But this is uh, 20... Actually, no, it was updated in 2019, but it was posted in 2016. Coldplay were mistaken for Maroon 5 during the Super Bowl. What? Yep. They had quite the task keeping focus on them at the Super Bowl halftime show, thanks to the addition of Beyonce and Bruno Mars. I remember that well, because people in the metal community were posting a picture of all of them together going... This is why I listen to metal. And I made a really ranty post being like, if that's why you listen to metal, then you suck. Um, the whole point of metal is you listen to what you want and get away from the whole genre thing of popular music and being told what to listen to. So shut up. Um, but even when the band were on stage by themselves, they still struggled to make a statement because some people didn't know who they were. This is 2016. Yeah. Mind you, this is the Daily Star, so you know they, they should be honoured. I'm even credible reading. source. Credible source, I like. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that's an interesting one. That is an interesting one. And um, there's a, an entire. I was going to read it, but I'm really not. Well, um, I'm going to interrupt you. It's it again. It is a, it is a lineage that these two bands get lumped together, and that it's yeah. not just out of thin air. And they both seem seem to, on the surface, to morphed into solo acts but I can only speak for Coldplay that that is very, very far from the truth. Yes. Yes, I quite agree. Um, I was going to read this out, but... Um, Give us the gist. Go on. It, it looks like a forum. It is a forum. Okay. Of people... The title of the forum is Taking Sides, Maroon 5 versus Coldplay. And th- I'll tell you what, my left hand's going to be scrolling. I should make this motion every time I scroll up and how long it is. Okay, here we go then. So this is for the people listening on Spotify. He's that's about seven, eight, scroll nine, nine three, 10, four, five, 11, eight. 12, 13, 14, 15. 15 scrolls I counted there. Uh, and they're all singular comments. Um, it's a big argument. I'm not even going to link it. I was going to, but my point was. This isn't just something that Marv's gone, I'm going to pull these two bands together and try and crowbar them in. It seems to be an actual thing. Yeah. Um, people are comparing them. Having said that, if I was Chris Martin, I would laugh at that. I'd just be like, ah, whatever, you can keep Adam Levine as far as I'm concerned. Don't get me wrong. Love Adam Levine. He's great. Amazing guitarist. People don't realise that. Um, Very good guitar player. But um, in terms, I'd, I'd much rather be the accomplished songwriter that Chris Martin is, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, the, uh, the the comparison is there and it's there for all to see. And all I did to find these was type in Coldplay Maroon 5 on Google. So I urge anyone to do that because it's very interesting. Some of the things that pop up as videos, um, 
and of course, stuff. apparently, Images. 20, 2018, uh, we had Over You by the Chainsmokers and Coldplay featuring Maroon 5. How weird. Wow. So How weird. they're on a track together. I didn't know that. Nor did I. But the more I think, it seems weird, the more I think about it, they're not they're not really the counterparts of each other. It's not like Coldplay are the British Maroon 5 and the Maroon 5 no, are the no. American Coldplay. They're different. But, they're, but there are similarities. But is really the only similarity that they've changed their musical style? Canvin, would you say that's the only thing? in essence, or is it just because they were a rock band that went pop? I think it's, it's pure style, isn't it? Absolutely pure style. Of course. Like, it, similar journeys. Because Maroon 5 was more uh, involved in the, the whole idea of Adam Levine being the, song, the singer and being the main attraction, it then made people think that Chris Martin is, is, is that, you know. Yeah. By by having assumptions of either, you're going to try and compare that assumption to the other. So by you, it's just, it, it just doesn't, you know, it's, it's similar, but it's just not the same thing. If, uh, yeah, people are going to see it for that yeah. journey, you know. I'd argue that Coldplay have never done anything as annoying and as pop as moves like Jagger. No. Um, but you can't deny that Coldplay have done pop songs, AKA songs that have taken, uh, elements from the popular music of their of the era that it's in like paradise is like you know obviously influenced by the music that was around there and especially their latest down music of the spheres like with the 80s kind of resurgence and my universe being very synth heavy like there's no denying that but i would say they've never gone as pop as moves like jagger um no no but yeah just it, yeah the more the more i listen to Coldplay, the more i just that just seemed like such a weird thing to put together there's got to be a band like even like the fray but the thing is with the fray is that they're you can only really it's only a really early Coldplay, first two albums maybe even the first yeah. three like but it just goes to show how unique and different Coldplay are um the script the script are kind of similar yeah I but feel. even then like maybe a bit rawer they got will i am on a track like there's rapping on there which Coldplay haven't mm. gone into i mean they're I guess with the BTS thing, um, there is a bit of rapping in there. Um, yeah, but then I don't know. I guess the script were influenced by Coldplay because again, that's that's hard to say. Oh, I remember Coldplay now with twenty two years in, like people are influenced by them. Um, yeah, that's even hard to pick. You could even say Kings of Leon, but then that's got more like a rock edge to it. Um, any mm-hmm. any points that anyone else wants to make? I've got one on like production with a question, um, but. Any from you two in terms of what they've done well or what they don't do well, or just anything regarding any albums, anything you want to say? My my only point would have been um, in terms of production, yeah, it's just they've, they've kept up with production over the years. They've done really well with that in terms of getting in different producers, obviously Brian Eno, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I think that's just something that they've been really good at and, and developed really well over the time. That's kind of my only point that I'd add on to that, really. Let's let's get on to that then. So yeah, every album sounds brilliant. The mixing and mastering is on point. No instrument is left buried, mistreated. There's no like, well, this album has no bass. This album's crap sounding, or you can only listen to it on this format. Like they nail it every time. Uh, we get intimate recordings with room noise all the way to polished and pristine with nothing left except for what's needed. Uh, 
and I don't think any this this is the dividing opinion here so I don't think any of it holds too much importance in the world of Coldplay now when I say production when I say that I'm talking when you mix and master an album I'm not saying in terms of the soundscapes they're bringing in and instruments and what you're hearing I'm saying like the glue that holds all together um that's the best way I can say it to like non-musos um there could be an argument made that if they took some sheen off of their pop era albums, so I'm saying Milo Zilotto onwards, the albums as a, as a whole would have a stronger narrative throughout. Um, but damn, what do you kind of think of that counter argument in terms of really the, the, the mixing and mastering of a Coldplay record doesn't really add anything. Like I'm not thinking like the low end's way better on here or like, wow, the kick drum on this or the way that vocal kind of sheens and all these things. Um, so that's part A of the question because I always have parts of the question. And if you were to take out all of the sheen, all of the pristine pop goodiness that you get on a mixing and mastering um, off of their pop era albums, if you want to call it that, would do you reckon it would, what do you reckon would happen if you did that? So they're two separate questions. Very, very tangented. Please do your best. <laughs> do, you want me to, do you want me to say them again? Should I say the first one? Right. Short. Do both. Do both. Right. First question. First question is. Make it short and snappy. And I'm okay. Quiet, yeah. I don't think the actual mixing and mastering and the production of a Coldplay or on Coldplay is that important to their songs. For instance, it doesn't matter if you if the bass drum isn't that punchy or the guitar doesn't have the exact same frequency or whatnot. I feel like it doesn't make that much of a difference. What do you think of that as opposed to your comment? I believe that as production, well, as 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 they grew through the albums, production definitely took a bigger role. I mean, you think of uh, every teardrop's a waterfall, you know, the, the, the idea that they've had to suddenly change the way they process the music after it's after the instrumentation has been decided, they need to go, okay, well, you know, this needs a certain master. This might need some sort of, um, it might need a certain compression that can, that can bring out those lows that can actually affect people. You know, it's, um, uh, what I'm trying to think of the name of the sort of compression, um, Oh, it's not coming to me, but it's more used the, the sort of compression that's used to to really highlight kicks and to give give kicks side chain brief side chain, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, the so the side chain compression sort of element and adding that sort of feel to it because that that creates a lot of feel towards music is that is that sort of element of yeah. of everything that's after the the songs themselves, you know. So yeah, in terms of the production, then I guess what I, how I could rephrase it is much like with the guitar parts where you don't rec really recognize they're there, but you actually need them. Maybe that's the same thing happening, that actually there is a lot of production that needs to happen, but they do it in a way that you don't actually need to hear it. It's like sidechain compression, where if you actually dial it up to the point where people can hear it, it doesn't sound good. So would you agree? The subtleties. The yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mez, any thoughts on the production? Um, that aspect. I mean, it's it's all very very clean. It's all very very clean. Um, I think I think I've noticed one or two um, 
one or two moments in their discography where, or that there's probably more. There's just a couple that have stuck out to me where there's like a, like a feedback and a gain increase as as everything sort of climaxes and hits the top point. But I think I, I'd still call that clean because it's not um it's not a feature throughout an entire track, which is how I see production. No. It's an entire painting, isn't yeah. it? You know, and um, there. Every sort of um, everything is sort of lending to that painting, um, but no, it's very, very clean. It's very nicely produced. I would say there's nothing that, that kills me a little bit. Some of the effects that they will use for guitars and stuff is all very, very friendly, and I think that makes it more accessible for people. Obviously, I mean, we know Brian Eno. Um, which one was he on? I've I've completely lost track there um he's on a couple isn't he yeah he is on a couple um but that's the name i wanted to bring up marcus drafts he was all he he co-produced um sorry i'm i'm babbling here so he i'm pretty sure he co-produced with brian eno on um and I can't even say the name of the album. No. <laughs> Is it Milo's I Lotto? That's the boy, Milo's yeah. I Lotto. Yeah. They, they were both on that, um, which is quite insane because Marcus, um, specifically, he's worked with some big names. Um, I think he was on Viva La Vida as well, Marcus Drives. And I think that's, I think we've already said, but that's where their sound starts to uh, change somewhat and it's, it, it becomes bigger. And it becomes more sort of is grandiose the right word that I'm looking for? It's like a bit yeah. too much. But that album, I, I thought that was the start of their pop period because of the yeah. single Viva La Vida. Completely yeah. wrong. That's still yeah. like a rock record and it's yeah. great. It's great. But that grandiosity, I mean, he's worked with people like Mumford and Sons. So that fresh, new, crisp sort of sound, yeah, yeah you can hear that come through. But I've always found it to be quite pleasant you know throughout everything i've heard of theirs it's, it's very pleasant it's very easy on the ears and like i've already said i feel that brings it back around to the people can <clears throat> sort of listen to it as opposed to like a i don't know a, a 2010s noise rock math rock band yeah. who are just basically there to create output it's not necessarily about how it sounds it's it's sound you know and that's I feel like that's a key feature of theirs. You know, it's simple, but it's crisp. Mm-hmm. It's it's creative and layered, but there's something for my ears to hang on to. And I think the production lends itself to that. To be honest, that's that's how I feel about that. I think it's, you're um, correct, Miss. I think you're correct. Yeah, he, he's he's you know, people like Brian Eno, Marcus Drabs, they're not going to be producing Slipknot's new record next week. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they. There's a very, Imagine. um, it would, it would probably sound be so weird. amazing though. Imagine it, it'd probably sound incredible. Yeah. All I can think in my head is them, them covering Beautiful Day, but like in the style of Slipknot. That still has the same intro. Yeah. It's just all noise. What's it like? One more time. Yeah, I respect that. No, I feel like because of their, um, you know, their history and what they have worked on before. I wouldn't say it's it's singling anything out for you to listen to, 
but it's picking up the bits like you were saying about the guitar un- underneath the piano and stuff and knowing the relevance of, of where to place things in a mix. We've all done basic mixes and advanced mixes to some degree on various tracks. And I think we had exercises at BIM where it was like, here's stems of a track, go and mix them. Mm-hmm. And you kind of sit there and you're like, fuck, what do I do? <laughs> and sometimes it comes out amazing. And other times it comes out as just in your right ear, you've got, <laughs> and in your left ear, you've got, <laughs> and it's just one big mess. But, but it's uh, finding that balance. There's definitely an art form to it. And there has been for years, ever since the Beatles first first happened in stereo. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Be- Beatles are rubbish, mate. Don't listen to them. They are crap. They so, are really, terrible. really bad. Yeah, really crap. Bad. Really Absolutely. Bad. Oh, mate, I hate them. But <laughs> um, no, I, th- I think there is is uh, definitely there's a subtlety to it. But also, it's su- it's subtle on purpose, so you can you can hear everything crisp and clear. I think that's my opinion. You don't have to that. believe it or agree with it. That's my opinion. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Dan, one last question: uh, If you were to take the Sheen Pristine production off of their pop era period, and that again is Milo Zilotto onwards, discounting Everyday Life, do you think it would add a bit more of like a stronger narrative or like? would be in more public favour and we wouldn't have this Coldplay of Gone Pop kind of slogan. That's a tricky question because... It was meant to be tricky. It is meant to be tricky <sighs> because, like, are you saying that if they if they had the exact same songs but different instrumentation, is this what you're saying? Or different actual end products to the way it's processed? Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of like weird. Yeah, I'm like saying one thing, but it's almost like I'm saying like, well, if they had guitars on it and they did this and did that or whatever. But I think I'm trying to say like, so I look at my universe, right? So let's say it's still BTS, it's still Coldplay, it's still very synth heavy or higher power. Let's let's take those two singles. Um, actually, let's take the first three singles off of uh, Music for the Spheres, which is I think it's called like the one with Selena Gomez. Something like letting love go, something like that. I really like that. I think that's the strongest one of it. Um, it's it's basically what I'm trying to say is like, imagine everyday life. I've got the question. I've got the question. Imagine if music for the spheres was produced in the same way everyday life was. So there's that progression there. There's still a risk they're taking. Kind of imagine those songs because there's there's pop moments on on everyday life, but not to the point of like maximum volume as my universe mm. is, something like that, higher power. Um, do you think that would create a more stronger work? Do you think that would have a narrative toward the other albums that you could go, oh, I can hear um, Shades of Viva La Vida in higher power because they have that piano sound. You know what I'm saying? Like I have, like I have with the him for the weekend thing and all that kind of lineage where you can go, well, this album doesn't actually sound like this. This one sounds like 10 years ago, kind of, but it still sounds fresh. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. So everyday life kind of style production onto their latest record. Do you think it would make a difference? Oh. <laughs> you like my really, really long <laughs> rambling questions. They're great, aren't they? They're so good. It's, it's, it's a tough one, that. Um, <laughs> I mean, 
if if they went for it in the same style as everyday life and tried to progress it, it I, I, I think they've I think between those albums, they've gone from trying to tell a big story to just trying to give you little ones over the course of an album. Yeah. And I think if they had the exact same songs on on Music of the Spheres and try to maybe production-wise change it so it is a continuous story, then it will it will mess with the juju of of it trying to be a pop album, but mm-hmm. also have that story. And I don't think it would maybe stay as as relevant or as or as interesting as as everyday life i think if you took away those elements because it just it would lose it these start it to me yeah and as we've discussed music of the spheres is definitely something that is is created with a complete different idea in mind to to the idea of writing something that explores a story and explores a maybe a, a sound narrative so I think it wouldn't work the same as everyday life would. I agree. I think that albums, uh, it's nice that that albums all sound different to each other. I think that's great. So yeah. leave it at that, eh? Um, football fan perspective. So what I want them to be, um, I only have two things. I want more acoustic guitar-led songs because I really enjoy them. Uh, I'm talking stuff like Guns, things like that. And no more duets. For some reason, I just I just don't want duets from Coldplay. I don't want collaborations. I just want Coldplay to be Coldplay like that. Um, any football fan perspectives merit? Is there anything you want Coldplay to be more? Just give less me a minute. Oh, he's done a bit of a rebranding. Go on, lad. You in in terms of your football fan perspective, myself being a, a football fan. Oh yeah. Um, uh, uh, the one thing I think of when relating football to this is uh, after after watching Coldplay at, at Glastonbury, uh, I think it was their like fifth or sixth song from the end. It was it was it wasn't like at the end, but it was in the end of that sort of middle part of a set list. They played Viva La Vida, yeah, and obviously everyone chanting the main hook. Um, but when the whole set finished, after still playing how many different bangers afterwards the uh, like there was there must have been over a hundred thousand people there and wow. at least eighty thousand of them were doing that oh, oh, oh all of them were doing it like everyone wow. was walking away doing it and it felt like a football crowd in the way that when i go see a football game i, I love being immersed in the crowd and the feeling of it and the passion of it and i had that same feeling from watching coldplay afterwards which is so bizarre but <laughs> That's what it was. That's what it was. And it's just really That's interesting. Mad. But yeah. That's yeah, mad. Mary, if, if you want to go. Um, what do you want? What, do yeah, I want? what would you want them to be? Is there anything more or less? Something that you, um, you wish they you did? Honestly, I would have liked um, I would have liked them to go more arty and sort of um, a bit messed up in because the, the early albums are sort of, I'd say, uh, there, there are some sections where they do go a bit mad, yeah. but it would yeah. have been nice to see them absolutely lose their shit and see what happens. Do you know what I mean? Just like, let's just jam an album. Let's see what happens. Let's make an album where we're all playing bass. Uh, you know what I mean? Because if they're they're very, very creative, but I just want to see them mad. Maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm pulling on 
strings there, but that's that's what I think. I'd love to have heard a bit more of the arty side of it, a bit weird, you know, because there were elements of what I'd call progressive rock. Yeah. Um, in what they were doing. They called it alternative. I called it progressive. Go away with your newfound fundled words. Um, no, I'd like to have seen more progressive, more sort of arty noise elements added in, to be honest, to see what happens, you know? I like that. I like that. You, you, you do get some of that in everyday life. I think the first track, mm. there's like this guitar that's like, it's like they just switched it on and started recording and he's just everywhere and then he starts finding his part. Yeah, that's cool. That's kind of cool. Whether it's premeditated that's or not, cool. I have no idea. But like, yeah, I just want more everyday life, basically. I just wanted to kind of explore that. <laughs> I thought that was cool. They did that so late on into their career. Um, Coldplay top five for me, in no order. Amsterdam, Trouble in Town, mm. God Put a Smile Upon Your Face, just because it's a skate video classic. Everything's Not Lost because of Scrubs and Guns. That'll be my top five Coldplay songs. Um, Mez, any favourites that stuck out? Uh, the first four albums, and that's mm-hmm. all you're getting. Like, they are great. That's all you're getting. Yeah, I, it's I, so strong. I never got bored of it. I never got bored of those. I mean, not that I'm saying I got bored of the others, but the mm-hmm. first four. They just cemented it for me. I was like, if if I in future now, when I want to hear Coldplay, I'm going to listen to these first four albums. And yeah, I mean, I'll get to know the others more. I really mm. feel like I focused in on the first four <laughs> records in this in this pod. But there's a reason behind it. They really sort of hooked me in with that. Um, yeah. In terms of what I like the least, I'd, I'd definitely say the latest. Yeah, I'd probably just lump. Simply Near because enough, the whole thing. Yeah, simply because I, I I didn't dislike it, but I'm struggling to remember songs from it. You know, indeed. indeed. And if I can't remember the songs from it, how can I recommend them to my mates and to future mates? There you go. So true. There you go. And <clears throat> another very very quick point: Coldplay never outstay their welcome. All their albums no. seem to be the perfect length. The songs seem to be great. They seem to be packed with the right structure. The only two which I felt dragged were the la- was the last track on Music of the Spheres, which is Color Coloratura. It's like ten minutes. Got very bored and was just like, I need this to end. And a rush of blood to the head. The song itself. I was like, okay, it fell kind of sing a songwritery, just kind of wrong, dragged a bit. Wrong. They were the only two songs that I was just like, I felt no. that like I needed to skip it. Everything else, no. brilliant. You're incorrect, Marv. Sorry, mate. Well, you may be incorrect, but I have no comeback for you, so I'm just going to make a joke out of my voice. <laughs> I know where you live, mate. You forget. Yeah, I know where you live as well, mate. So you might want to Good. Come and fight me, IRL. Yeah, 1v1 me. me. Dan Canvin, um, do you have kind of like a top five Coldplay songs or in any order or anything you love? <clears throat> I I love loads of their songs. That's, I guess that's why I'm the expert here. He is the um, expert, that's true. Uh, there. Uh, I, well, I've said before, like Paradise has meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. That's as as much as it's a song from their newer era. It's, it's something that really hits me, um, and it also defines the sort of time in my life where I was super into them. I mean, Milo Exoto, I listened to that album so many times, and like even like Major Minus and tracks like that on there are, are, are solid. Um, Charlie Brown, like the weird, weird, yeah. like 
little there like the little sounds and stuff just got me really intrigued on that album and that definitely is a, a big part of it but a shiver i love shiver the track yeah. i love the instrumentation on it so love simple it. just awesome um in my place when, oh, yeah. when those that, that rhythm comes in the drums come in at the beginning it's just like here we go um awesome uh fix you i think it's a classic it's a single everyone knows it but purely because i've seen it live and the effect it has on an audience and feeling that within a crowd is second to none honestly it's it's like me saying enter sandman for when it kicks in but like it's 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 that similar feeling you know um uh, god put a smile on your face is good i quite enjoyed lost quite enjoyed lost that there's also a version with jay-z on it i kind of actually enjoyed that um Oh, I mean, you've also, there's so many. Yeah, Troubles, Good Clocks, <laughs> Sign. But you could just go on, I guess, on, can you? I could go on. I'll, I'll stop, but I'll go to my worst. Go on, then. Ghost Stories did nothing for me. When when it, it hit me up, it, maybe musically, you know, if I actually revisited it properly and sat down and went through it and you know, for this, I went. I briefly went through every album. I knew most of what was going on, but but Ghost Stories was something that it came out after my sort of obsession with Milo Exoto, and I was just disappointed where it went. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't really a sky full of stars. You know, you had every teardrop, but then a sky full of stars. But you look at what songs are around both songs, and Ghost Stories was just like magic. Doesn't really do a lot for me. Uh, maybe the lyrical themes weren't great. It felt repetitive a little bit. Milo Exoto at least went out a little bit and sort of expanded out. Everyday life is awesome. Uh, also, for everyone listening to the podcast, I highly recommend going on YouTube, Everyday Life, out Coldplay Live, run through. And they did two, both sides of the album, uh, Sunrise and Sunset, in on different rooftops at those times. And it's incredible. It's it's amazing. Watch it. Um, we'll have to link but it. Yeah, have to link it. Yeah. Uh, music, the spheres doesn't really do anything for me, but it's, but you can recognize this Coldplay and it's okay. But ghost stories to me can just get in the bin. <laughs> I mean, I think it was, I mean, he just got divorced at, at that point or they split up. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It, it feels very, um, it's not as colorful because they got more colourful as that albums went on. That one took a little bit of a dip. And the fact that the last track on every single album is always quite expansive and quite like anthemic feeling to then suddenly go into yeah. something which is so insular and it's just kind of stripped down. And I like it because there's a lot of acoustic guitar playing and minimalist kind of style to it. Maybe it's the minimalist thing of you. And the fact that if Milo meant so much to you, that expectation that Ghost Stories had to have for you we just never reach it. And we've all done it with albums, but that might be why you don't like it. That's that's part of it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of emotional, yeah, turbulence, maybe the, the term for it. But yeah. Let, yeah, me it te- let me tell you what you don't like about it, Dan, all right? Because I know, all right? Christ, what am I like? Um, <laughs> yeah, you got it. You know what? I'm all cold played out, lads. I think I've I've... I've gone through it. I've gone through all the stuff. I've, I've, you know, all the nooks and crannies and stuff. There's only one question to ask, Mez. All right. 
but we do well we don't do it all the time that's it get your ear in right dan doesn't need to because dan's already a fan but we is going to can you say you are a fan of Coldplay, James Merritt? Nah, ace and mate, terrible. Ah, it's wasted really time this podcast. Terrible. Nah, I, I, I am, I am. I will be, I will be returning. Yeah, I am definitely a fan of Coldplay now. I, I never thought I'd say that. Absolutely never. <laughs> I am actually like, kind of invested in what they're going to do next. I think I've hugely misjudged them, and I've let other people's opinions, and then my opinion of what I think other people thought dictate what I actually think. Um, they are a great band and they are still a band. And that's what I'm going to go with. Dan, there's no arguments here. We're on your side now. You've got two new Coldplay fans. So now we can geek and nerd out next time we're on a gig. And uh, actually, no, uh, Rob won't be in the van so we could blast Coldplay all oh, night long. Hey, let's there do you it. go. Let's do it. Sorry, Rob. Yeah, I need my cousin, but, you know, whatever. but there you go. I think that's, that's a good positive ending to the, uh, to the pod. Thank you for this past year. It's been great. All the guests, everyone who's commented, everyone who's subscribed and all that. We all obviously, you know, we rip everyone for comedic intent and semi-serious, but you know what it is. But we do appreciate everyone who's given us any money or contributed any way to this. I just did it as a passion project along with Mez. And it's nice that we can connect people. We can chat to people. We've listened to some weird ass music. and We've listened to some great music that we thought was going to be bad. And... I've got to look at his face like that even more these days. I can't bloody believe it. You know, aren't we just handsome? Mez, do you want to sign us off? You're, Mez, you're really good at signing us off. You know what I mean? I don't really have much to say and I can't come up with something funny or witty that, you know, kind of fits in. I'm more the editing guy. So, Mez, give us your nice gear roundup and then smash us out with the outro now, all right? Listen to Coldplay. They're good. Sit, lads. <laughs>